Hey, everybody. Welcome to The Favorite Show, the podcast where we talk about our favorite things. Every week, we'll pick a different topic to discuss, and since best can be subjective, we talk about the things that are our favorites. My name's Aaron. Sean is not here again. And I'm Shannon. Sean's not here this week, but we also have... Adam. Yay! And Alex. Woo! Sean, unfortunately, yeah, sent us a a text uh, a couple hours ago and said something crazy came up at work and that he wasn't able to join us. So I haven't heard from him since. So hopefully everything's okay. (laughs) But uh, yeah, I know he's super bummed to to miss two weeks in a row. But yeah, we got Alex and we got Adam joining us. And uh, this is going to be great. Uh, The topic today is one that Adam suggested in an email once upon a time. I can't remember when, but... I made a uh, note. Once upon a time. <laughs> oh, hey. oh, oh, we're almost there. Uh, Foreshadowing. <laughs> Normally the S's are a majority, but now the A's are. Oh. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Numbered. Well, before we get to this week's topic, we do have a couple of emails to read. The first one is from friend of the show, Catherine. Catherine, always good to hear from you. Uh, her email is about favorite love songs. Happy Valentine's Day, favorite show friends. Uh, I'm a sucker for a good love song. I have a good list of favorites, so I'll just do a quick list. Bed of Roses by Bon Jovi. You're the Inspiration by Chicago. When I See You Smile by Bad English. God Only Knows by The Beach Boys. What Is Life by George Harrison. Love of a Lifetime, Firehouse. Power of Love, Huey Lewis and the News. Happy Together by The Turtles. All That Really Matters by Richie Sambora and Without You by Motley Crue. There has to be a Motley Crue in there, at least <laughs> any, any any list of songs. You've, you've got the hard rock covered. Uh, says, can't wait for next week, Catherine. And then she immediately emailed after that and said, one more song I forgot. <laughs> she said, I can't believe I forgot. As We Go Along by The Monkees. Rob and I danced to that at our wedding. So Aww. That's a good one. I love that. I, I always I always like hearing people's uh, wedding songs, like you know, what was their first dance or what was in their in their wedding video or whatever. I always think that's fun. Uh, our next email is from Kristen. Uh, hey. We almost have her here. We got her, her other half here. So. She's close by. <laughs> close by. She <laughs> says, the email is entitled, I forgot so much. <laughs> says, hey guys, I've been meaning to email ever since the baked goods episode. After giving a listen, I realized I forgot a bunch of important, to me anyway, baking information. I talked about yummy baked soft pretzels, but I completely forgot to mention that you give the shaped dough a dip in a hot baking soda bath. That's what gives pretzels the chewy skin and makes them so unique. I feel like I learned that from Babish once upon a time. But yeah, that's... I think I learned that from Teresa, actually. Oh, well. That we were making pretzels one time. And she's like, yeah, you put it in the baking soda and then... Did you say soda or powder? Baking soda water. Kristen Thank says you. baking soda. Baking soda and then boil it. And I was like, Teresa, you are making this up. Why would you boil <laughs> dough? <laughs> and she was like, no, no, really. That's what makes it pretzely. So uh, another thing is that a huge part of what gives bread its flavor is the rise time. The longer the rise, the better the texture and flavor of the bread. Brioche usually rises overnight, which adds to its amazingness. Also with bread, the difference between a quick bread, like banana bread, zucchini bread, etc., and a risen bread, sandwich bread, rolls, baguettes, etc., is the leavening agent. Quick breads utilize the chemical reaction of baking soda slash powder, while risen breads use yeast. I'm sure there's a lot more I could go on about, but those are the big things I noticed I had skipped over. Sorry for the yummy info dump. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Kristen. (laughs) She goes on. She says, I love the last few episodes. You guys always pick such fun things to talk about. With adult animation, I think the only recommendation I want to add is Lower Decks. Anybody seen it? I have, yes. It's a a good one. Uh, It's a Star Trek cartoon about the officers and civilians who are not on the bridge and the dumb things that befall them. Poor red shirts. (laughs) 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 It's true. Oh, they all die. Um, uh, Loved hearing all your stories about sportsing adventures over the years. Uh, it's always great to get dad's perspective and expertise on something the rest of us clearly lack knowledge on. <laughs> 
She says, I was surprised how little overlap there was on the love songs you covered and my own favorites. We siblings usually have such similar tastes. I've got everything from What the Heck I Gotta Do from 21 Chump Street to Little Moments by Brad Paisley to Pretend by Scott Porter and the Glory Dogs. Anyway, I shared my playlist with you guys. You'll have to let me know what you think. That's right. She did text us a, a playlist. We're going to have to go through that and, and add a bunch of those to our playlist as well. So even if you even if you went to the link when we when that episode came out, we, we actually do update these playlists from time to time. So uh, it's worth going back and checking out again. Uh, I love and miss you all so much. I look forward to the new laughs this Friday. Love, your long-winded sister, Kristen. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Kristen. Uh, we're definitely going to have you on again soon. We asked you about uh, this week's episode, but uh, I think it was decided that maybe Adam has more experience with this one than you do, which surprised me. But anyway, again, we're, we're getting there. The last email we have is from our mom. Well, not Adam's mom. The rest of us. Uh, not Alex's mom either. <laughs> not Alex's uh, either. <laughs> the core cast mom, the Mama <laughs> Sutherland. <laughs> Uh, she says, it's about love songs. She says, more great episodes, you guys. The love song episode was great, and I love the Spotify playlist. One of Dad's favorite songs is Your Song by Elton John, also. In fact, he and Gary Hogue, his best friend, uh, sang it in a high school assembly. They called themselves Hoagie Bear and the Boo Boo Review. <laughs> what a band name. <laughs> I don't think I ever heard that before. That's so good. That was about my reaction. Mm. She told me, and I said, what? She said, well, yeah, his name is Gary Hogue. Hoagie Bear and the Boo Boo <laughs> Review is so good. Anyway, it uh, says when they were warming up, a guitar string broke and they weren't going to perform. But when Gary's mom saw and heard about the uh, saw them and heard about the guitar string, she borrowed someone else's guitar and made them get up and sing. Dad claims the song got them a lot of attention from girls and more dates. <laughs> Ooh. Nice. <laughs> A few more of Dad's favorites are Till There Was You by The Beatles, To Make You Feel My Love by Bob Dylan, That's the Way I've Always Heard It Should Be by Carly Simon, Lady by John Denver, which Dad sang at our wedding, and When I'm Gone by Joel and Rory. That song was written when she had cancer and she has since passed away. The song will make you cry for sure. Well, whew, I'm, all, I'm getting misty just thinking about it. Sean, I do love Ed Sheeran's song Supermarket Flowers. It is about his grandmother. A few of my favorites are Ain't Nothing Like the Real Thing, Baby by Marvin Gaye and Tammy Terrell, 10,000 Hours by Dan and Shay with Justin Bieber, Adore You by Harry Styles, Being With You by Smokey Robinson, Crazy For You by Madonna, and Invisible Ink by Mandy Moore. She sang it on the last episode of This Is Us. Thanks for the great episodes. Happy Valentine's Day to everyone. Love, Mom. Thanks, Mom. <laughs> Always good to hear from all of you that, that wrote in. Thank you so much. And actually, I just, I'm just now remembering, uh, not in an email, but we actually had a text from our Aunt Joyce to to us is a hey favorite podcast i hope this is okay i'm sharing i didn't ask her but she says hey favorite podcasters want to just finish listening to the holiday foods episode where you discussed frog eye salad wanted to give you the history of where it came from with our family i worked for many years at a hospital with a gal from las vegas her mom who would have been a bit older than grandma and papa was from bunkerville a town we used to drive through on the way to the cabinet lake mead it's a very mormon community uh anyway i have one of their family cookbooks and that recipe is in there so i started making it many years ago for thanksgiving and everyone loved it so it quickly became a family favorite Love you all. Really enjoyed listening to the podcast. I'm quickly catching up. Thanks for the entertainment. Shout out to Aunt Joyce. I'm so glad you're you're listening and enjoying. And yeah, I I I knew. I feel like every every time we hear we talk about uh, Frog Eye Salad, I get a little more of the history and more of the story yeah. of where it came from. So that's uh, it's fun piecing it all together. But yeah, thank you for sharing. I appreciate that. It's pretty cool. That, I think, is all the updates that I have, all the emails, all the stuff. Uh, so that does it for me. But our guests, Alex and Adam, and, and I guess Shannon as well, do you guys have any updates before we jump in? Well, I have something that I, I finished listening to the last episode just tonight. And the nice. love songs, I was like, I got to get caught up before I'm on the show. <laughs> <laughs> and I just want to say, Aaron, that Solidarity, I love Call Me Maybe as well. Yes. By Carly Rae Jepsen. I think it's an amazing song. I love it. And uh, the other one, I the, the I really 
really like you song as well. That music video is amazing. And and <laughs> it really is. It's got Justin Bieber at the end too. Did did you notice that? <laughs> yes. He shows up at the end too. That far. <laughs> he shows up at the end. He shows up at the end. Oh, so, that's funny. It's amazing. <laughs> Very that's all funny. I got. I love it. Alex, Shannon, anything before we get going? Uh, none for me. I'm good. All right. Yeah, I'm good. Thank you. Cool. Well, we I know it's 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 funny to be like, let's get on to this week's topic, even though we're like already 10 minutes in, but whatever. It's all good. <laughs> this week's topic is our favorite fantasy novels. So we were due for an other media topic, which is our, our catch-all for everything that's not a movie or TV show or video game. Uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, fantasy novels. Again, like I said, we actually reached out to Kristen because Kristen is is such a, a bookworm. We immediately are like, oh, books, Kristen. And uh, <laughs> But this was one that, that Adam, you had suggested in an email once upon a time. So I reached out to both of you and Kristen to my surprise was like hey Adam reads more fantasy than I do and you were like great let's do it so <laughs> so thanks for joining and then Alex of course uh you know always always good to have you in but uh yeah favorite fantasy novels and I I did go to Wikipedia real quick and look up fantasy as a genre and I just thought it was interesting the way it's it's described here is kind of interesting uh fantasy is a genre of speculative fiction involving magical elements typically set in fictional universe and sometimes inspired by mythology and folklore. Uh, its roots are in oral tradition, which then became fantasy literature and drama. Fantasy is distinguished from the genres of science fiction and horror by the respective absence of science or macabre... Ma- is that how you say it? Macabre? <laughs> I don't yeah. know how you say it. Anyway, uh, themes. Although these genres do overlap. Uh, and that's all, I, all I'm going to say about that. But uh, yeah, let's, uh, let's get to it. Shannon, what do you got? Well, so going through... My list. So you just described what fantasy is. And it's funny because one of my most favorites is not described as fantasy at all, um, which is the Odyssey, which is considered epic poetry, which it's Greek mythology. I would consider that still fantasy in a way because it's clearly there's kind of this magic to it and everything with all of these different Greek gods and these adventures happening here. But the Odyssey is one of the oldest works of literature in existence that is believed to have been written by Homer, is divided into several books, and it's about the Greek hero Odysseus on his way home after the Trojan War. And for the fact that it is so old, I it's, it's amazing to think about that with the fact that it is such an entertaining book to read. One that has been a favorite of mine for a long time that all these little stories in there and for the fact that like, like I said, it's such an old story that these elements of it really stand up to modern storytelling. It's not something that has gotten to be, you know, considered old or boring or, you know, the way some classics can kind of be hard to get through just because of the older style of writing. So the Odyssey is one of my top ones. I read it once uh, because it was one of those things of like, well, you got you got to uh-huh. read these like ultimate <laughs> classics, right? But I I remember also being kind of surprised because I I tried reading like War and Peace, and I tried I think sometimes some of these older books I've tried reading, and I'm like, oh, this doesn't work or whatever. Yeah, not, that doesn't that that's not fair to say. I I had a hard time getting through some of them, but yeah, it's it's super good, really cool story. It's very good. You know, I've never read it. Um, I've I've read a lot about Greek mythology. But I've never actually read the Odyssey or the Iliad. I, it's, but it's one of those ones that I feel like I know everything that happens because I've read a lot of stories that probably are found in there. Yeah, and I've never actually read the Iliad. I tried at some point, 
And I don't know, it didn't hold my attention the way the Odyssey did. They're both pretty dense books, I feel like. They're they're definitely if only one I've only read once and because it's just hard to read. <laughs> <laughs> it's old. Sure, that's fair. Yeah. <laughs> uh who wants to, we didn't discuss an order. Who wants to go next? Alex or Adam or me? I I can go. <laughs> sure. Yeah, let's do it. Going off of that uh, and kind of going into, you talked about mythology. Uh, one of my favorites is a, a based on a Polish fairy tale. Um, I might give it away to some of you, but it is The Witcher. And I the, a lot of mine are going to kind of be very broad. So, so I just put The Witcher, which is technically eight books. So The Witcher series written by Andrzej Sapkowski. I believe I'm saying his last name correct. I looked it up even beforehand, before this episode, to make sure. <laughs> and I still didn't get a 100% answer, probably because I don't speak Polish. But So he is a Polish author. And his story is really unique. So he was, in 1985, he was a 38-year-old traveling fur salesman. Um, he, he had an economics degree, and he loved fantasy literature. So he submitted this short story based on a Polish fairy tale to a magazine, ended up only taking third place. And he feels like his work was the best in the competition, but the jurors put him in third because at the time in 1985, fantasy was considered to be for children. Interesting. Huh. But ever since then, he has made a widely successful a series of books. There have been, I mean, technically eight uh, that have like been translated into many other languages, um, but there's nine, including that short story that he wrote called The Witcher. It has been turned into several video games, movies that I saw that like made in early 2000s that you can't really watch anywhere. They're only in Polish. And then the Netflix series as well that, that isn't true to the storyline, but we won't get into that. Boy, is it good. <laughs> but it is good. And Henry Cavill is really good. Uh, they were published in Polish from 1990 to 2013, just widespread between there, translated into English between 2007 and 2018. And the books are The Sword of Destiny, The Last Wish, The Blood of Elves, The Time of Contempt, Baptism of Fire, The Tower of the Swallow, The Lady of the Lake, and The Season of Storms. My favorites of that is probably Season of Storms, uh, Lady of the Lake, and The Last Wish. But, I mean, I recommend reading them all. They're all like really good books. Uh, Season of Storms and Last Wish are technically both like short stories within the universe that like have a bunch of short stories uh, spread around. But it's basically all about the Witcher, who is there. The Witchers are beast hunters. They were created at a young age to fight these unusual magical monsters. Our Witcher is Geralt, uh, known as Geralt of Rivia. And it kind of follows his adventures. He gets lots of different companions along the way. He's got Yennefer, Triss, Ciri, Dandelion, uh, Yarpin, Zygrin, Roach, Regis, Kahir, Milva. Uh, just like just a few of the many people he travels with. You fall in love with all of them. And it's just a really good story. I, I can't recommend it enough. I have to be honest. I have heard so much good about The Witcher. A lot of it from you guys. I have not played or read or watched any of it. And I need to because I'll, all I hear is good. So I gotta I gotta get on this. Yeah, I didn't know it was a book series either. I thought it was just the video game. That's all I'd heard about it. Oh yeah. It was the book first. Then it was made into a video game. And I've unfortunately only played 
uh, the third Witcher video game. I haven't played the first two. Um, and then it was made the Netflix series last. Well, and I feel like you had played the game and then we watched the Netflix series and watching it, I was like, wow, this is good. And in the opening credits, I think it says something like based on the book. It's like, Alex, we got to read these books. <laughs> nice. and, and I, they're, they've been on my to read list. I have not read them yet, but really quickly, they're in kind of a weird order. What's the one that is technically the first one and what's the one you would recommend people read first? Uh, so, I mean... I've I I looked it up when I read them. Uh, I believe the Last Wish is the first one you should read because that kind of gives you an introduction. I will say they're not. It's not the order that they were published in. Because he kind of like jumps hmm. around in the timeline. Yeah. So so like just look it up, Google it, and like one of the first posts it says like this is the order it should be read in because it's the chronological order and that kind of stuff. So. That's what I would recommend. Cool. Who wants to go next? Me or Adam? You want to jump in? Uh, sure. Yeah, I'll go. Go um, for it. I, I just want to talk a little bit first about how I got into fantasy books because I didn't like them for a long time. I didn't want to read them. I wasn't interested. I really was in sci-fi you know, when I was younger, and those are the kind of books that I read. And I think I pegged the reason why I didn't like it. It's that a lot of times fantasy books don't have a really well-defined or even completely undefined magic system. They don't explain how things work. And so um, when you get to the end of a story and they use some deus ex machina device to magically solve all the problems, like literally magically solve the problem, (laughs) um, it was just not very satisfying. And so I was like, eh, not really interested in fantasy. And that was until I found Brandon Sanderson. Yay! Yay! Brando Sando. Favorite author. Favorite author, hands down, of any kind of genre is Brandon Sanderson for me. Um, and I think I got into him because maybe Sean. I think Sean was reading Mistborn at the time. And he was talking, I think we, they, this has been brought up, Mistborn's been brought up on this this show a couple of times. But I think that's what got, got me interested in it. Anyway, I, I started reading that and I'm like, this is really good. Um, and Sanderson has an interesting way of looking at magic systems. He has kind of a hard versus a soft magic system, saying that hard magic systems have really well-defined rules about what magic can do and what it can't do. There's well-defined limits. The stakes are easy to understand, whereas a soft magic system is very vague. It's undefined. Um, it can still have its place, but typically only when referring to like the bad guy or the antagonist of the story. And the soft magic can move, it, move the plot forward by... Uh, creating obstacles for the protagonist, whereas the hard magic systems, it's they move the story forward by helping the protagonist overcome those obstacles. So he has three rules for magic. I wrote them down because I want to uh, mention them. Um, one is an author's ability to solve conflict with magic is directly proportional to the reader's understanding of the magic. So if you don't know how it works, you're not going to the author's not going to be able to really explain it to your satisfaction. The second one is that weaknesses, limits, and costs are much more interesting than powers are. And that third, the author should expand on what's already part of the magic system before bringing something else new and adding to it. And I think that all of that really has changed my perspective of what fantasy is and what it can be and why I'm kind of interested in it now as opposed to what I you know, wasn't interested in the past. Has anyone else felt that way about fantasy at all, or am I am I the only one? <laughs> I think in certain stories, yes. I would I would say my the favorites, at the top of my list here, the ones I want to talk about, don't fall prey to that mm-hmm. as much, or if at all. But yeah, I, I definitely have experienced that in some other uh, some other stories that I'm not going to talk about in this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> See, I feel like my issue with fantasy was always getting overwhelmed. 
that mm. the names are insane and there's names of people <laughs> and places and usually currency and names within the magic system itself. And mm-hmm. you got to keep flipping back and forth to the map. And to the glossary and the dictionary and all of the things in there. It's kind of high epic fantasies. Yeah. Yes. Which is my thing. But still, but, but yeah, you know, whatever. To each their own. I can keep track of like the names in, in a storyline better than I can in real life for some strange reason. Like I will be reading three different trilogies at the same time. And I don't get I'm able to keep either. track of him, like the separate ones and all that. And I, yeah. Wow. But like I'll forget people's names or birthdays in real life all the time. <laughs> I'm the same way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For me, sometimes like I'll forget s- enough that if I go back, there's a new book in the series. I have to go reread the the previous books right before I read the next one. Otherwise, I've forgotten mm-hmm. everything that all that all the people and places and everything. Yeah. So let me just talk a little bit my about my favorite Brandon Sanderson novels. And I say novels because it's a series. So kind of like what Alex was like, The Witcher, that's the series that you're, it's your favorite. Mm-hmm. The, the Stormlight Archive is my favorite series that Brandon Sanderson has written. Um, and I really like the way that he writes because he writes from multiple per, uh, perspectives and they alternate. You know, you read a few chapters from one character and then you switch to another and it might take you back in the story a bit or a flashback or it might even go in the future or take place after what you just read. Um, and the novel will rotate those perspectives gradually, getting more information as you go, but raising lots of questions. Um, it's almost like a mystery novel at the same time and because you get everything in bits and pieces. And it's very it keeps you very engaged in the reading process. But when you're about 90% done with the book, he starts switching back and forth really quickly. You start getting multiple people's perspective in the same chapter. And there's just so much information thrown at you, answering all those questions and uh, until you hit like the, the big climax of the book and, and the Sanderson fans call it the Sanderlanch, the Sanderson avalanche of, cause there's just so much information. <laughs> it just kind of throws it all at you in the last 10% of the book. And you better make sure that once you hit that, that it is not like 11 PM on a <laughs> Sunday night because you are not, going to have a good time at work the next morning because you can't <laughs> stop. So the, the Stormlight Archive is, it, they're, they're huge novels. They're more than a thousand pages each. He's got four of them so far and two novellas that are 250 pages plus. So I would actually call those full on novels, but he calls them novellas. So I'm going to try to sum up the basic premise as few spoilers as possible if anyone wants to read them. The Stormlight Archive is set on a planet called Roshar and it's a world that is regularly hit by Violent storms that move from east to west, destroying most everything out there. And the animal and plant life has evolved to adapt to those storms. There's a lot of crustacean-like animals. The plants kind of withdraw inside hard shells during the storms. But with it, that storm carries the power that fuels the whole magic system on Roshar, which is called Stormlight, hence the Stormlight Archive. That Stormlight is captured within gemstones that can be recharged by leaving them outside during a high storm. And they serve as both a light source and currency. On the planet. So the story starts 4,000 years, like a flashback 4,000 years ago when the Heralds of the Almighty have just finished fighting a battle against the forces of Odium, kind of the god of hatred. And they're, they're very hopeful they're going to keep his forces bound as long as possible and not have to go through this again. And it jumps forward 4,000 years and we meet the cast of characters, which kind of to your concern there, Shannon, um, would rival <laughs> the Game of Thrones for a number of characters I've heard. Um, and so... And they're, they're involved in another war at that time. Just a war between people, though, not the forces of good and evil, so to speak. 
And some of the earliest characters we meet are Dalinar, who is the king's uncle and largely leading a war effort, but he has a dark past. He's trying to redeem himself. Kaladin, who's a former soldier who's wrongfully sold into slavery and assigned to a bridge crew, which basically means he's at the front line of every battle without a weapon. And Shallan, who is a young noblewoman who is trying to become the ward of the king's sister, who happens to be a powerful scholar. But she does that in order to secretly steal from her and save Shallan's family uh, for her family's estate from ruin. So that's kind of like the, the key characters in the beginning of this book. And as we go on, we actually get into the magic systems and we learn about surge binding, which is how these knights radiant can do all kinds of things like fly and teleport and change chemical makeup of matter. And we learn about their magical swords called shard blades, which can cut through inanimate matter with ease and kill anybody, but without shedding blood, which is would make for an interesting... Uh, a visual representation, I think. But I really like this series because the themes in it are just fantastic. They're a fascinating character study. Kind of going back to um, one of Brandon Sanderson's rules about people or, or themes and weaknesses. Those are more interesting than the magic itself. You find themes about, I wrote them down because I was like, this is really cool. Leadership, self-esteem, weakness, religion, depression, social class, war, redemption, and just so much. And I've read all of these books at least once, I think most of them two or three times. So that's kind of the overall short version. And that was a really long version of a short version <laughs> of the book series. Because like I said, these books are like books. a thousand plus pages. Um, but I, see, I think my favorite book in the series would be Oathbringer, which is the third book. Um, and to become one of these knights radiant, the ones who have the powers, you have to speak these oaths to call them ideals. And they basically, it's like a, a video game where you get to lock, unlock more abilities. Um, and the, at the climax of the book three, two characters speak ideals that I, I wrote down the quotes because I wanted to read them, but I don't think I can get through them without, without crying. That's how it, it brings me to tears because what they mean to the characters, they're both dealing with some self-loathing and they're trying to find a way to look past that and find some kind of redemption. And they're just amazing. It's just like this, this, um, this redemption arc of these characters and... I think I could read one of them <laughs> without crying. <clears throat> one of the characters who's, he just feels he doesn't think he deserves to have these powers, but he finally is willing to say these oaths. And he says, I will protect those I hate, even, even if the one I hate most is myself. And that wow. those words are accepted. And Oh man, I just, I love these books. They're fantastic. They take a while to get into, but oh man, they're just, they're amazing. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I definitely love to add those to my list. I, I do love Brandon Sanderson, and uh, we're probably going to talk about Mistborn in a little bit here, but <laughs> yeah, but, yeah I have not, I've not read the other ones, so, you know. <clears throat> Adam, did you sign up for the Brando Sando subscription I box? Did, well, I didn't get the box. So uh, Shannon's referring to a Kickstarter, which was like the number one Kickstarter of all time. It was insane. They raised like $25 million or something. Right? Wow. I think, yeah. That's it, amazing. Well, and it broke it within like an hour, maybe. It was Jeez. insane. Okay. Crazy. He released a video of himself just basically <laughs> explaining what's going on. He's like, hey, guys, I've got a confession. I secretly wrote a novel. And everyone's like, what? Okay, we all get all excited just from that. He's like, Whoa. like, he wrote a book. It's a new book. It wasn't on his like release list. We're super excited. And he says, okay, but you know what? Actually, I have a, another confession. I didn't actually write one novel. I wrote two novels. 
<laughs> and he drops the manuscript and he's, he's like, okay, I lied. I wrote four novels <laughs> plus one more, but I'm not going to release that one right wow. now. But I wrote four novels. I'm going to release all those novels next year. Golly. His goal, the goal on Kickstarter was $1 million. He got <laughs> $41.7 million. Whoa! 41. Oh my gosh. Wow. That was way more than I thought. Yeah. We just got the first hard copy book in the mail. You did. Have you wow. read it already, though? No, but it's beautiful. It's a really good book. Really That's good amazing. Book. Wow. Well, I guess it's my turn. You all get one guess as to what I'm going to talk about. Lord of the Rings. Yep, Lord of the Rings. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I saved that one for you. You are also, though, like the biggest Tolkien nerd, I think mm-hmm. I know. And I know several very knowledgeable, big, see, Tolkien. I even said Tolkien. Tolkien, Tolkien. The biggest. That's all right. T- so. I want to see I want to see you and... Um, the Don Marshall. What? Who? Don, Aaron yeah, Don v. Marshall. Don Marshall. On, that, yeah, Don Marshall on TikTok. He's a Lord of the Rings influencer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was thinking more of, uh, what's his bucket from uh, the late night show? Oh, oh. Stephen Colbert. Oh, Stephen Colbert. That He's guy. He's a huge guy. Oh, that guy. That guy. <laughs> He knows his stuff. Oh, yeah, man. He does. It's funny you mentioned that, Shannon, though, because I think you said exactly the same thing when I brought up The Hobbit, yep. <laughs> when I talked about children's books. Um, <laughs> I also brought up uh, Tolkien and The Lord of the Rings when we talked about poetry. I brought it up when I talked about movies adapted from books. I brought him up when I talked about my favorite stuff from 2022 when we talked <laughs> about The Rings of Power. So... In case you can't tell, this is like this is this is a basic part of me. You know, Inside Out, when the movie Inside Out, where there's like the core like islands of things. One of my core islands is definitely Middle Earth, right? Like this is this is like one of the most basic parts of me is my love of the Lord of the Rings and all of Tolkien's things. So you know, hopefully it's okay that I have already talked about this like five times. I'm going to talk about it again because um, this is the core of it. This is the root of what I what I love so much is the books, the novels, the Lord of the Rings. Give us favorite lord of the rings just anything episodes <laughs> you know i probably could that we'll we can do another do, one like i did my favorite futurama episode uh yeah, Fut- futurama saying, episodes yeah. one i'll just do one of these days if i'm the only one around i'm just going to talk about lord of the rings for a whole hour it'll be amazing <laughs> it will be so as i've mentioned before lord of the rings came out in 1954 it was originally intended as a sequel to the hobbit which came out in 1937 which is of course a children's book uh but as tolkien was writing it it quickly became much darker and larger and turned into an epic high fantasy novel he worked on it, writing it in stages between 1937 and 1949, and it is one of the best-selling books ever written with over 150 million copies sold. And uh, I know, again, I've talked, I've talked about this before, it is one story, The Lord of the Rings. Uh, even though it is three books, it was only printed that way because, one, they're super long, and two, economically it made a lot more sense at the time it was published in the mid-50s in, in the UK um, to split it up into three separate books. But it's one story. You know, when you watch the movies, you don't just watch the two towers and like, well, that was cool. No, it's like <laughs> That doesn't work. No, it's one story. I think one of the things that I really love about The Lord of the Rings is... is well, there, there's lots of things. One of the things I love about it is that it's so deep. Like, there's so much backstory. There's so much behind the scenes. There's so much lore. And so, for me, like, when when you know, I get really interested in something. Like I want to take that deep dive and like learn about like, Oh, what happened to this and that? And you know, where did this come from? Where'd that come from? And that's one thing that Tolkien does an amazing job of almost to a fault of having all the history, all of the, the background of every little detail. Uh, you know, you can read the Lord of the Rings, just the story itself. And it's great. But if you want to hear, if you want to learn more about the dwarves, um, there are appendices at the end of the return of the King that are all about like the history of the dwarves, the history of the elves, you know, the hobbits, where they came from, what happens after what came before, you know, there's a, there's a whole other book. The Silmarillion is, is also on my list of, 
favorite uh, fantasy, which is basically like the Old Testament of the Lord of the Rings. It's like <laughs> the, literally the creation story is what it starts with. Um, the creation story of Middle Earth by the gods. And then like everything that happens that leads up to the Lord of the Rings, thousands and thousands of years of history. And it's 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 real dense reading, but I love it. Um but I, I think at the core, I, I also love the story of the Lord of the Rings because I feel like it really goes to that very basic, like, good versus evil battle, right? There are definitely complex characters. It's not so watered down. It's like, well, these are good guys, these are the bad guys, and that's it. Like, there's definitely complex characters and, and uh, you know, character development and all these things. But at the root of it all, it's the battle between good and evil. And, and I just really, I like that. I love that so much. For anybody who's been hiding under a rock for the last (laughs) whole life and don't know the story, uh, the Lord of the Rings uh, is actually a reference to the main bad guy of the story, the Dark Lord Sauron, who created rings to uh, basically try to enslave the people of Middle-earth, which involves elves and dwarves and the race of men and hobbits, which are little, little short people. The basic idea is that Frodo... Uh, has inherited this golden ring from his uncle Bilbo, who's the the main character in The Hobbit, and uh, come to find out it is the master ring that Sauron created and lost thousands of years ago, and he's been searching for it ever since, basically. And it's a quest to go and try to destroy this ring, which will destroy Sauron because he has poured so much of his own power into this ring. And I, I love... The characters, I think there is such a wide range of diversity between uh, the characters. Like there's the, you know, the, the stalwart heroes and like the comic relief and like, you know, all, all these different traits that these characters have, they all bring something different to the table. I love the world building. I love how vast and how, um, how epic the, the world is, the story is. And, uh, yeah, I just, I, I really could go on for a long time, but it's, it's something about this story really speaks to me on like a base primal level and it, it is a core part of me the lord of the rings i, I love it and and there have been so many great adaptations of it too we talked about the movies uh in our in our movies adapted from uh from books episode also the bbc radio drama is a 13 episode uh radio dramatization of the lord of the rings it's one of my favorite things in this whole world i like it even better than the movies i think it's so incredible so if you get a chance to go listen to that it's amazing but yeah i i love lord of the rings that's I could go on and on, but I, I won't because we're already a uh, half hour into this episode. So we got to keep talking about other things. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. The Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit were on my list as well, which I mean, we've kind of joked about it before that I in high school was reading through uh, the Lord of the Rings series for the first time. And I was used to The Hobbit and like The Hobbit is not necessarily a short book, but in comparison, it's a short book. (laughs) And I found myself, once I got to Return of the King, that I was like, why isn't it over yet? (laughs) It's like ending, but not. And then it would end, but not really. And then it would end, but still not. Well, and I, and and like we talked about in our children's books, I talked about The Hobbit. The writing is really different. Like I, I yeah. of course, I have my copies of them. Well, one of my copies of them right here. The Hobbit is only about two hundred. Oh, just just over three hundred pages long. It's it's not a super long book, but the writing style of it is definitely simpler. Uh, it's more of a like. It, it's geared more toward a young reader. It's it's much simpler uh, language. Whereas uh, our other our other guys, our Lord of the Rings here, it's a lot more dense language. It's there's just a lot. Like my copy of 
let's see. Let me go. Let me go to the last actually page before the appendices in Return of the King. Last page that number I have is one thousand eight. <laughs> before <laughs> before the appendices, uh, the the here comes some spoilers. The ring gets destroyed <gasps> around. Yeah, so this so the ring gets destroyed on page nine hundred something, and so then there's another hundred pages before the story wraps up. So uh, <laughs> I can see why you didn't finish, <laughs> but it's I love fine. it. I live for this stuff. It's so good. <laughs> like I've I've read I've read them all many times. I've read all the appendices. I've read the Silmarillion multiple times. Like I just can't get enough of it. <laughs> yeah, I do need to. I really do want to reread all of them close together. Just because I feel like it's been a long time since I've read them. Uh, quick plug. I think I might have said this in another episode, but the audiobooks are excellent. The original audiobook reading uh, is by Rob Inglis, which is amazing. But just in the last year or two, they came out with a new uh, unabridged audiobook version read by Andy Serkis. And it's amazing. That it's guy. so oh, What talent. He's, he's masterful in his reading. It's so good. So highly recommend that. Well, while we're talking about favorite books, I do got to say my most favorite book of all time we're going to jump right back into it, is Mistborn. Yay! (laughs) (laughs) Which, it was funny when I was looking up dates and stuff, the the original trilogy spread out between 2006, 2008. Looking at it, I was confused because it had a title. What you have it written down. The first book is technically called The Final Empire. And I was like, no, it's not. It's just called Mistborn. And I realized (laughs) it's the kind of thing like Star Wars. A New Hope was just called Star Wars until there were a lot of Star Wars. And that's how (laughs) Mistborn is. Like my copy on the bookshelf is just Mistborn. It was not called The Final Empire yet. But there's that Era 1 original trilogy, which is just my favorite. I first read it in high school when a friend of mine lent me his signed paperback copy what what wow lent it to you he lent it to me and like (laughs) i read the first one and was like this is the greatest book i've ever written i've ever read and i mean it was like is there more (laughs) so he started like he got me into brandon sanderson and lent me all these books but um such an incredible book loved it so much and then years later um with era two the first book is Alloy of Law, right? I saw that they had made a second or yeah, a second series and I was like, oh my goodness, I gotta get into it. And I read it and I got to the end. I was like, uh oh, this isn't the end of the story. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> and I got to the end and realized it was the beginning of a trilogy that had not all come out yet. Oh <laughs> which, no. Which I hate to do. And like, I don't know, that's my generation or something, I don't know, of wanting to like binge through the books that I don't want to have to wait for the next one to come out because especially when it comes to book releases, that's years of waiting for the next book. So I have not gone back and finished it. There are all Shannon, three. You need I, to. There's no, four. I know. There's four books. Well, because there's a three in the series and then there's like a standalone one that's well, part actually, of that era too. Well, Alloy of Law is kind of the standalone. No, because there's the... The Lost Metal is a standalone. I've read them all. I haven't, <laughs> but Alex you. has <laughs> at recently. And, well, this is also just coming from what's online. So that's good to know from your perspective. But just from what people have said online, and I think what Brandon Sanderson was saying was that what, that one was the standalone, the last one? Yes, I read. That just barely came out. I not, I'm not just barely. Well, well it was somewhat. like 2022 or something, wasn't it? It just came yeah. out last year. Yeah, yeah, end of last year. Uh, but yeah, the I've read. I read Alloy of Law, Shadows of Self, and Bands of Mourning, but have yet to read The Lost Metal. You need to read it. But I heard that one was the standalone. I, I so think they all work together as like one series. It's it's I mean, hard yeah, to kind of separate sense. them. It's all wax and wane, kind of wax and wane yeah. story. 
Yeah. So I need to get into that one just because of how much I love Mistborn. And then I guess Era 3 is supposed to be coming 2024 to 2027-ish were the dates that were predicted. And then there's talk of an Era... Did I say Era 3 is the next one? And then Era 4, there's talk of that, which I got I really excited about, age. but that's all kind of up in the air, so I'm not going to get really excited about it yet. <laughs> <laughs> but clearly, that man can just like drop a whole bunch of books out of the blue. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I want to just jump on your bandwagon real quick. I love Mistborn. The magic system is so unique. It's like, like I if, if, if for anyone who hasn't read it out there, it's one of the most unique special magic systems out there dealing with like, it's called allomancy or allomancy, depending on who you are. Uh, Which audio book you listen to? Yeah, the audio books I listen to called allomancy. So, but, yeah. But. Uh, and so you, you like, I'm, I'm, I don't want to give any, too much away, but like you, you use these metals to like push on other metals and that kind of stuff. And then you get another magic system introduced a little bit later in the book series like I think it's the second book, like that it gets introduced, and then the second era is where like you get a combination of magic systems, and it's just so brilliant, and it's such beautiful writing. Vin is such a cool character; she's so badass. And then I can't say that. Sorry. <laughs> well, Blake can bleep it. Family show. Family show. Vin, just say it again. Start from Vin is. Vin is such a cool character. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how to use adjectives without That's fine. That's fine. Adjectives. She's just so cool. She's awesome. Super cool. And then uh Wax and Wayne are very cool. And but yeah, it's cool stuff. Um and then just throwing in there more Brando Sando. Elantris and Warbreaker are both like honorable mentions. He's he's got does such like Adam, you talked a little bit about his like magic systems are so well thought out. And those are all just brilliant. I love those books. I have yet to read Stormlight because I'm waiting for the fifth one to come out. Mm. Yeah, so it's a 10, 10 books planned in the series. And he's got a couple of novellas, which are really long. And he plans like a novella between everyone. But yeah. there's going to be like a five book story arc and then a second five book story arc. So yeah, so that's yeah. why I'm waiting for five. Just to just to jump on the bad bandwagon further, Mistborn was number two on my list of of favorite fantasy novels. And, and yeah, well, like to echo what you said, Alex, I love how unique the setting is, or how how un- unique the magic is. I guess is what you yes. call it, because a lot of these other fantasy stories I've read, you know, are are like Lord of the Rings as far as like the different races and the there's wizards and there's dragons and you know like that world of high fantasy that we all think about, you know, Dungeons and Dragons that sort of thing, mm-hmm. but but Mistborn, it, it's it's absolutely fantasy, but it's so unique. This this idea of the, you know burning these metals to give people special abilities and special powers and stuff. Uh, and and yeah, it's it's one of those books that I had I had people had recommended it to me a bunch of times, and I finally went and read them. And it's it's now one that I I have have listened to read read multiple times. I I love it. I've only re- read the original trilogy partly because i'm i love it so much i'm nervous i'm gonna be let down by the other ones but for you guys i'll give it a glowing review so i guess i i can jump in but but yeah so good really really good i love mistborn as well and that is what got me into fantasy like back it i mean i you know i read narnia (laughs) i mean to get me into actual you know this kind of fantasy these novels it was mistborn and i love i love those books there's also uh, Secret History, Mistborn Secret History, 
Oh, yeah, Have any of you read that one? No. That one kind of is, it, I can't, I won't give anything away. You should read Era 2 before you read Secret History, but it goes back to the original trilogy and tells some additional information you didn't know, which is really cool. And I also want to jump on uh, what you said, Alex, about Warbreaker, another one of my favorites too. This is such a cool magic system where it, it deals with, you know, breath and color and awakening uh, inanimate objects. And, and it includes a, a talking sword, which is so cool. Uh, just, I, I love, I love Warbreaker. Nice. I dig it. Who's next? What else we got? Well, uh, Mistborn was kind of my second one, but I'm going to, I'm going to jump in. Another favorite of mine is uh, a trilogy called the Ryera Revelations. Um, mm. And it's three books. Uh, the first one is Theft of Swords. Rise of Empire, and then Heir of Navron. Um, and the, technically, these were six books, self-published by Michael J. Sullivan, but then later uh, republished in 2011 and 2012 into the three books that I just mentioned. But it follows these, kind of mainly follows these two characters named Royce and Hadrian. Um, later, their adventures start to include other people. They get other characters involved. But like, so Royce is a thief. Hadrian is like a sword master. Uh, to put it in D&D terms, he's a fighter. He's like really good with a <laughs> lot of weapons, uh, but mainly swords. And he carries three swords and they kind of go into more into that in the story. And Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I gave him a look. So I'm like, three swords? He has two arms. <laughs> he's got, he talks about that. Okay, I'm sorry. Different swords for different purposes. And everyone, <laughs> like, that's like first five pages of the book they talk about how like he's got three swords on him so like these people are trying to rob him this isn't spoilers because like you get it literally in the first couple pages but people are trying to rob them and they're like they start to notice oh he's got three swords okay someone who carries one is probably proficient someone who carries two is probably trying to show off but someone who carries three swords like why risk all that extra weight and so they're probably really good and it turns out he's like this master swordsman and all this stuff. But so it's like their kind of strange relationship uh, and how they don't get along, but they do, which kind of going more into the story, there's another trilogy called the Ryera Chronicles that is kind of the prequel trilogy. And it kind of goes into how their relationship started and all this stuff. But it's really good. There is a little bit of a magic system that gets introduced later. But mainly it's just these two dudes who go on heists and and get involved in the politics of the nation, that kind of stuff. Really good. Uh, I first read it last year in 2022. And I have reread it since then because I like it that much. I've never even heard of this. I got to check it out. Either. Uh, but yeah, yeah, look up Theft of Swords, or if you want to look up Rayira, it's spelled R-I-Y-R-I-A, um, written by Michael J. Sullivan. Nice. Yeah. I'll, I got to check that out for sure. I guess my turn. Um, you know, I, I, I broke mine into Sanderson and non-Sanderson books, so <laughs> <laughs> I can move into a non-Sanderson choice here. Um, I would say another one of my favorites is a, is a book series called The Witchlands. Uh, by Susan Dennard. Um, and the, the concept of this series is that everyone is born with a witchery, some kind of a magical skill that uh, sets them apart from other people. And there's almost as many witcheries as there are people. Everyone has a different kind of a power. Um, I mean, that's not quite true. They, there's a lot of people, a lot of overlap. 
Um, but the very first book is called Truth Witch, and it's about a character named Safi. She and her uh, her really good friend Isolt, they um, have powers, and Sa- Safi's is Truth Witch, Truth Witchery, and it's a very rare power that's sought after in um, from like kings and rulers of kingdoms in this kind of power struggle because knowing really what someone is truly saying, whether or not they're telling the truth, is so critical when you're dealing with that kind of political kind of thing. So she tries to hide it, but it's just about that. And it gets into this, this epic storyline of, of running and political intrigue and all this kind of stuff. It's really good. There's four books so far um, and one more that is coming out. So Shannon, you don't want to read this one yet. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but my favorite is actually of the series is called Sight Witch, which is a supplemental kind of a backstory novel to the main storyline, kind of giving you some information about some of the characters from before. Um, but yeah, really good, really good series. Uh, Witchlands by Susan Dennard. Nice. Another one I've never heard of. I have to check it out. We, I haven't heard of it either, but it's on the list now. Um, I got a modern, bunch of honorable mentions. We've already talked about all my Tolkien ones, and we talked about uh, Mistborn. The last one I want to talk about with a little bit of detail is Harry Potter. Kristen would have been very disappointed if that wasn't brought up. <laughs> I was going to say, yes. it's like I feel like this is one of those <laughs> core ones. That somebody has to talk about Harry Potter. Oh, yeah. I really love Harry Potter. Uh, it, it is interesting, like the the current right now, you know, uh, Hogwarts Legacy just came out, and uh, there's there's the controversy of J.K. Rowling and a lot of her political stances, and, and uh, or I guess you could maybe even boil it down for to like a human rights type of stances, but you know, I, I, I feel like I, I don't agree with her. I don't approve of a lot of the things that she has to say, but I feel like I can still kind of separately look at Harry Potter as a thing that was created and look at it, you know, in, in a lot of ways separate from her and her ideals that I do not agree with. So just, just to get that out of the way off, off the top there, but I love Harry Potter. Uh, it's interesting, actually, I, I feel like I'm close to the right age where, you know, there, there are that group of us that kind of grew up with Harry Potter. We were close to the same age as the books came out. We were reading them and stuff. I actually didn't come to Harry Potter. I didn't, I didn't start reading it until I think around just before the Half-Blood Prince came out. Um, I, I was uh, in college. I was out of high school and, and after my, my mission trip, I was in college when I, when I first read Harry Potter. So at that point, uh, the first five, I think were out. That's right, because uh, Order of the Phoenix came out in 2003, and I had started reading them and read them right before Half-Blood Prince came out in 2005. So even though I didn't grow up with them, I, I was I was that right age, so it's, it's kind of funny that I, I didn't follow in, in with them. I actually have not seen all the movies. I saw up through Goblet of Fire and then, for whatever That's reason, fine. have not watched the rest of the movies. <laughs> Is that allowed? You Don't you work at Warner Brothers? Yeah, yeah you know, don't <laughs> tell them, please. I'm, I'm wearing That's Warner Brothers hat right now, literally. And I, so, don't tell them. But no, I, I, I think these books are so good. I love all the character development. I, I, I feel like every book has its own you know, unique like flavor and vibe to it. And it's it's cool to also see how the story, how the the as books, how they progress, right? The Philosopher's Stone is not a very long book and and on some levels is, is a little bit simpler language almost. And as 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 the books progress, as Harry gets older, and as the readers, uh, you know, the readers that these books were intended for got older, the language evolves, the books evolve. By the time you get to Order of the Phoenix, you have a huge book, right? It's big. Um, there's so much detail. There's so much backstory. There's so much lore that goes into it. Well, and really quickly, that's something even that, like, as a teacher, we use of like, oh, you're ready for the first Harry Potter book. And like, once you're able to like digest this book, 
then you'll probably be at a point that you're ready for the next one because it is written in such a sequential way. Yeah, it's really cool. I I'm, I didn't realize as a teacher you you did that too. That's very mm-hmm. cool. But I I love the world that it's set in, which is this world. It's set, you know, as it was written, it was basically in current time, modern times. Um, And I love this idea of, like, wizards and magic existing side by side with modern technology, right? Like, Ron Weasley's uh, dad, I forget his name, uh, who's, like, so fascinated with things like telephones and, you know, cars and, like, muggle technology and stuff. It cracks me up. Uh, You know, because it's so so different from, uh, you know, Lord of the Rings or something like that, where it's like, you know, this... This totally different made up high fantasy world it's like yeah like we got wizards and that's we have to go on get on our train we go through some secret wall in the train station where everybody else all the normal people are going on their trains and stuff so i think it's very cool i i love it i love seeing harry's development um i just love how hermione saves the day all the time and they all would have just failed completely without her she is the unsung hero of that story and uh yeah i just i think harry potter is is a, a great story we definitely oh and, and uh, I was talking about how the Andy Serkis uh, readings of Lord of the Rings are so incredible. The audiobooks of Harry Potter read by Jim Dale are are so good. They're unbelievably good. Um, I feel like I almost enjoy listening to his readings, the audiobook readings, uh, more than reading it myself. He has such a masterful delivery of it. So it's it's really fun. I've heard that from a, a number of people, including you. I haven't listened to it. What makes his reading of it so good? I think a lot of it is his his emotion. Um, he he just has a way of like really like bringing whatever emotion the scene has to life. Um, you know, he's it, obviously he's he's reading from the book. It's not like it's a dramatization or anything. But the way he's able to portray things, the way his reading is done, is so um, emotional. It puts you right in that world. Um, the voices he does are amazing. And it's just it's 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 just such a good storyteller. Even though he's not, you know, he's reading the words, he's not the one right. growing up with it. But it's it's he he creates this world as if it's like as if he's telling the story himself. Is it's it's really cool. Highly recommend. <laughs> you know, I never uh, I never read the books until, gosh, maybe six seven years ago. Kristen bugged me bugged me to read them over and over again, and I was like, <laughs> nah. I don't need to read them. I've seen the movies. I'm fine. <laughs> and my dad and I were like, at one point, there was so much hype. We were like, we're not going to read them because there's so much hype. <laughs> and we made a pact, and he got mad at me that I saw the movies. And then I, he found out I read the books, and I, I guess I'm out of the will. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> I, I actually did grow up with them. I like was around the age Harry was when the first one came out, that kind of stuff. But kind of fell out. I, I might get some hate for saying this, but I never read the last book. <gasps> I read all what? the books up to the last one. I've seen all the movies, but still haven't read the story? last book. Yeah, that's fine. They were always Kristen's favorite, <laughs> and so we had all of them. And I didn't start reading them until, I think, yeah, it was when the sixth book came out. And it's because all of my friends were obsessed with it. And it's funny because like that was also around the time that everybody was obsessed and reading Twilight. And then the six Harry Potter book came out and everybody was obsessed. And like I remember being at lunch and like every single person at the table was just reading Harry Potter. And so I was like, okay, fine. <laughs> like I guess before the last book comes out, I'll read through the series. And again, like to use the term, like I binged through that series really fast. And it is funny because our series that we used to have at uh, mom and dad's house, we had one of each book and then we had like 
three of book six and like three of book seven because we were, uh-huh. we were all to that point. And we were like, we're not waiting for each other. We all need our own copy <laughs> so we can hurry and get through this book. I remember very clearly uh, reading Deathly Hallows. And yeah, we had like three or four different copies. And it was a, a Sunday that we were all like sitting around just all like reading. Like we spent all day just reading. <laughs> and and I remember, and I'm, I'm sorry, dad. I remember dad like, you know, like, kind of thinking it was funny, but then the way the day went on, like he, he kind of kept being like, Hey guys, are you going to do anything else today? You know, like kind of getting, getting onto <laughs> us a little bit that all we had done was sit and read these books. And I remember we all just kind of collectively ignored him. <laughs> we, we were so, I'm sorry, dad. We were so invested in the story. It was so good. And I remember like at one point I was reading and I looked over and I saw as Teresa or Kristen or somebody was crying and I was like, Oh no. And then I got to that part in the book and I was crying and they looked over and they're like, you got to this part. And I'm like, yeah, I did. <laughs> so fun. Oh, man. I have to tell this story, and I don't know if Kristen's going to be okay with me telling it, but... (laughs) But she's not here. (laughs) She's not not in the room. She might pop her head in and say, hey, hold on. She's going to say, hey, wait a minute. (laughs) So when we were first married, I don't even remember what book it was she was reading, but I left for work in the morning, and she sat down on the couch (laughs) with a book. I know the story. And I came home from work after five sometime, and she was sitting in the same place reading that same book. (laughs) And I walk in and she looks up at me and she grabs the book to her chest and she says, don't take it away. (laughs) (laughs) Because mom would do that. Kristen would be up all night and like mom would come in to check on us and Kristen would hurry and turn off the light and roll over and pretend like she was not up reading. (laughs) (laughs) And it would be like those midnight, midnight release parties too. And she'd like read... She would, and I'm giving this away to your mom, but she would read the book until your mom came in, took it away, and then Kristen would wait until your mom went to bed and fell asleep, and she'd sneak back in and get the book (laughs) and go back to reading. (laughs) To be fair, I've had... Not that exact experience, but I've had that experience of getting sucked into a story. It happens with Lord of the Rings. It definitely happened with Mistborn. It's happened with, with Harry Potter. I've, it's happened at times where I'm reading a story and I'm so sucked in. And I'm looking at the clock, whether you know whether I'm reading or listening as audiobook. I'm looking at the clock and I'm like, okay, I got, I can do one more chapter. And then I get to the end of that, I'm like, okay, I can do one more chapter. And pretty soon it's like, oh crap, I have to be to work in like four hours and I haven't gone to bed yet. <laughs> you know, like it's uh, it's three in the morning. Oh crap, but. Like, I think that is like the testament to how good some of these stories are that they can really totally pull you in. I love that. Well, is that a good spot to wrap up, or do we want to just own that this is a long episode, like the long, long (laughs) book series? I think it's already a long episode. No, I know. Do we want to do one more round through, or do we want to call it? (laughs) I I only have honorable mentions at this point, but if anybody else has ones they they want to talk about with some detail, I'm I'm okay with a long episode. Our two guests, do you guys each want to do one more? I got one more, yeah. Okay. Go for it. Adam, Alex, go for it. Okay, I'll go first. So there's a, a series um, that was actually made into a Netflix show in the last year. It's called uh, The Grishaverse. Uh, it was called, um, uh, shoot, what was it called? Shadow and Bone. Yeah! It's called Shadow and Bone, yeah, <laughs> by Lee, Lee Bardugo. Shannon was holding her breath. She's like, she's like it's got to be that one. It's got to be that one. <laughs> so it's a really good series, and there's a ton of books in it now. But the original, the original Shadow and Bone series, it's like three, three books. And it's about, it's kind of a Russia-inspired land uh, named, called Ravkut, follows a character named Alina Starkov, and she doesn't realize that she has a Grisha talent, which is um, the, kind of the magic that's involved there. It allows them to control things like the light or darkness or uh, wind or any, 
in any number of things. But she didn't know that she had a Grisha talent, um, and she's part of the, this army, and she they discover her talent, and it's one that's not been seen for many generations. And so as a result of that, she's kind of seen almost as a saint um, by these people that she's going to heal this wound that's on their on their uh, land. And um, so she's kind of trying to deal with that. Um, that's not actually my favorite series because there's a bunch of like mini series within this Grisha verse. And the other one is called Six of Crows. And it's a separate series of two books so far um, set in that same world, but it follows a band of thieves in kind of a, a Netherlands inspired area of the, of the planet. And uh, they actually, some of them have Grisha talents, but it's, it's more of a heist kind of novel series. And they took some of it and put it into that TV show, that Netflix show, and they kind of blended the two storylines into a single narrative. But I really like those books, and I really like Six of Crows. That's one, that's one, uh, one series that I'm, I'm a fan of, and I'm, it's just, they're still writing more books, so we'll, we'll come back and do an update sometime. <laughs> one of these days. <laughs> nice. All right. Uh, I'm going to go super fast. I got two more, and then just moderate mentions. Sweet. First, real quick one, it's called the Locked Tomb series. Uh, I haven't read all of them yet, but I have read the first one. It's called Gideon the Ninth. Um, it's uh, based on this, like, you're from a house. Uh, so there's nine planets in the solar system. Uh, they're from the ninth planet, so the ninth house. There's two people um, who go to this trial. One is uh, Harrow, or Haro, and she's a necromancer. And one is Gideon, who the story's about. She's a cavalier who is like the bodyguard for the necromancer. And normally cavaliers wield rapiers, but she wields a broadsword because she is rad. Just really <laughs> cool character. Um, I'm really excited for the other books, but pick up Gideon the Ninth. The, the other trilogy that I wanted to kind of hit more on is the Night Angel trilogy. I've read all of those called The Way of Shadows, Shadow's Edge, and Beyond the Shadows by Brent Weeks. I didn't say, sorry, The Locked Tomb is by Tamsin Muir. Uh, Brent Weeks writes the Night Angel trilogy, follows Azoth, um, who is a guild rat. He later becomes uh, an assassin, which the only thing I'll say that I don't love about this series is they say that assassins are uh, people who are hired to kill people, but <laughs> they're called wet boys. <laughs> Um, and they're different than assassins because they have magic and wet boys don't have targets. They have debtors because they're already dead when you're hired to kill and you're a wet boy. Not great name, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. that's pretty silly sounding. I don't love wet boy. A different name. That's and funny. and there are there are wet girls, but that, I think they're still called wet boys. I don't know. <laughs> it's horrible, but really cool magic system. It's kind of similar. Like and and he so he becomes he eventually works his way up to become a wet boy and becomes the avatar of retribution, the night angel. That's a cool title. That's that so much cool. better. Yeah, yeah. that cool. one that one works. <laughs> yeah, but but yeah, really cool. Uh, those are those are yeah my main ones. Amazing, I love it. Shannon, do you have any more, or should we? Should we I just wrap have it honorable up? mentions. I'm good. Let's wrap this up then, guys. This was this was cool. I'm I'm yeah. I'm pleased to say that I I've read a lot of these, and I'm scared to say I haven't read a lot of them, and my interest has peaked. <laughs> so oh boy, I'm gonna have a lot to catch up on. But this <laughs> this is good. Alex and Adam, thank you so much for joining us. I'm I'm glad you both could be here. This was cool. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, glad to glad to have you. Anytime. We'll we'll find more topics and have you back again soon for sure. 
But this is probably a good spot to wrap it up. As usual, we want to hear what you think. Send us an email at thefavoriteshow at gmail.com. Look us up on Instagram at thefavoriteshowpodcast. Let us know your favorite fantasy novels. We we talked about a lot, but it's I just happened to go on uh, uh, Libby, uh, which is one of those uh, apps that lets you listen to audiobooks uh, from your local library. And there's I just was browsing through the the fantasy genre, and there's so many. Uh, it's such a such a vast genre. So let us know what some of your favorites are, and let us know if you have suggestions for future topics. Topics or guests or whatever. Again, this was a topic picked by or suggested by Adam. So thanks again, and and uh, I definitely keep a note of people who've suggested topics, and I, we try to get to them. So uh, let us know. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. And we'd love a five star rating if you like what you hear. And if you don't feel like giving us a five star rating, is it because this was a really uh, long episode? Well, then tough, because guess what? All these <laughs> books are long, and they're great. So I feel like we're great, too. Give five stars, please. <laughs> if you end up reading a good book from, from one of our recommendations, you better come back and give a five-star rating. There you That's go. Right. Yes, think about that. We probably suggested something that you're going to love, and you, you owe us <laughs> five <Yeah>. stars. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm just bullying people. we got to quit. <laughs> okay. uh, well, I guess that'll do it. Until next week, my name's Aaron. Sean's not here. And I'm Shannon. And I'm Adam. And I'm Alex. Talk to y'all later. Bye. Cue the music. Audible mentions. Should we rapid fire? Yep. The Princess Bride by William Goldman. The Shadow of the Gods by John Gwynn. The Seven Realms series by Cinda Williams Chima. Howl's Moving Castle by Diana Wynne Jones. Alice in Wonderland by Lewis Carroll. Sabriel by Garth Nix. The Lightbringer series, also by Brent Weeks. Big Fish by Daniel Wallace. James and the Giant Peach by Roald Dahl. The Poppy War by R.F. Kwong. Chronicles of Narnia by C.S. Lewis. Tuck Everlasting by Natalie Babbitt. The Eye of the World by Robert Jordan. Stardust by Neil Gaiman. Kiki's Delivery Service by Eiko Kadano. Just to stretch it a little bit for including graphic novels, The Adventure Zone. Only because I love that show and I want to mention it as often as I can. (laughs) 